0: Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Praise the Lord. Turning your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18 now. I ask you to keep the moving down to a minimum. If you are looking at your phone right now and not reading the Bible, turn it off. Put it in your pocket. God wants to speak to you today. I didn't come up here to to give you some uh, motivational speech or anything like that. God's laid something on my heart. And I want to share it today. I want to continue this series, Cancel Culture. The greatest threat the christian church is the church not the church but people who go to church people who say i'm born again i'm a child of god but they don't live like a child of god they're a check the box christian they're a cultural christian maybe they're a cerebral christian they they in their mind they know about god but the 18 inches from their mind to their heart, there's a, that's a long distance. And they know God, but God doesn't know them. There's a big difference in that, friend. One who identifies as a Christian but does not adhere to the faith. One who labels himself Christian as opposed to being a Muslim or a Buddhist, so I must be a Christian. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, someone who would say, well, I'm a Christian because, well, my parents were Christians. I was raised In the church, but were you raised up in Christ? See, that's the difference. Uh, Cultural Christians reject the lordship of Jesus, but they love the fact that Jesus does good deeds. And and so they love the humanitarian side of Jesus, but they don't want Jesus to be the lord of their life. Uh, They just add church attendance and giving as good deeds and uh, check marks to say, look what I've done to ease the conscience and to feel good about themselves, but that is not a Christian. Say amen. They hang around the church, but they are not the church. They're a cultural Christian. Some identifying marks of a cultural Christian is people who deny the inspiration of Scripture. Well, they like this one, but they don't like this one. And then it goes beyond liking that I don't like this one, I don't, or I like this one, I don't believe this one. Well, you are a cultural Christian. Christian, focus on the love of Jesus and his acceptance. And he is loving and he is accepting, but there is still a hell. It's real. He doesn't send anybody there, but you choose to go there if you don't choose Jesus. If you don't choose Jesus, you choose hell. That's the only two choices, you see. And uh these people don't want to hear anything about obedience and sacrifice they tolerate sin uh almost to the point of celebrating are you listening to me tolerate sin almost to the point of celebrating it and and they'll say things like this well you know sin is sin in an effort to justify their sin oh yes sin is sin but we've got to get to a place where we hate all sin I hate lying. I hate homosexuality. I hate perversion. I hate fornication. I hate adultery. I hate idolatry. You've got to hate sin. I'm going to just calm down now. I'm going to stay cool. Talk about God. And God we trust. One nation under God. Without mentioning anything about Jesus. Cultural Christian, because Jesus is God. That's right. Do enough religious stuff to gain a sense of well-being without any true devotion to Christ, and then this one I want to I want to leave as last, fresh on your mind. Ignore and downplay anything that has to do with repentance. Do you know what repentance is? It's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is different than repentance. Repentance says, I know I'm doing something that's not pleasing to God, and I'm going to stop doing it. Amen. And I, as hard as I was running toward making myself feel better, my pleasure, sin, as, far, as hard as I was running towards that, now I'm going to run the opposite direction towards God. And about faith, that is repentance. That's what God is calling us to. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 18, verse 21. Now, this is a very familiar passage. It's to some. To some it may not. That's okay. I'm going to give you a little background. This is about the children of Israel. God's chosen people. People who have seen God do miracles. Uh, Egypt. Being delivered out of Egyptian bondage, the Israelites were. They crossed the Red Sea. God split it on both sides and put dry ground right down the middle for them to walk across. God gave them manna by day and stuff to eat. And he was a he was a cloud by day and a fire by night, the Bible says. And the whole time the Israelites were on their forty year wilderness journey. They never had to buy new shoes. God kept them in their shoes from wearing out. Oh, they knew God. Delivered them from one enemy after another, after another, after another. They knew who God was. And it's crazy to believe they'd be caught up in idolatry. But that's what was going on. About seven kings, six kings after Samuel or Saul, excuse me. There was a king by the name of Ahab. He married a woman by the name of Jezebel. Ever heard heard of those two guys? The Bible says uh, that Ahab was the wicked. There was no more wicked king than Ahab. He was the most wicked. And these two are uh, at the helm of authority. King and queen, Ahab and Jezebel. Well, Jezebel was a, was a pagan. She worshipped Baal, a false god, and another god by the name of Ashtoreth. Another false, just an image is all it was. It was a pole cut out, looking like, look like a woman, and they worshipped Baal, and they worshipped this female goddess, Ashtoreth. And it was nothing no god no nothing it was just just images just idols is all it was and they brought in this false worship and they begin to worship God the God and these so-called gods and Elijah the prophet of God prays to God and God closes up the heavens and it doesn't rain how many years? Y'all remember? Three. For three years it didn't rain. A great famine covered the land. No water, no food. God told Elijah, now I'm gonna, you go to this valley here, and I'm going to provide water for you. That's going to keep you alive. And you keep trusting me. And I'm going to get the attention of the Israelites. Well, God spoke to Elijah and said, I want you to go to Ahab. And I want you to tell him that it's about to rain. I want you to tell him that it's time for him to deny these idols and to lead the people to serve, trust God, Jehovah, once again. Well... Ahab didn't want to have anything to do with that. So Elijah said, I tell you what, you get your prophets, the prophets of Baal, 450, and get the 400 false prophets of Ashtoreth, and you bring them here, and you bring all the Israelites here. God's going to show himself mighty and strong. Y'all don't know who God is. You forgot who God is and who God was. I'm about to show you who God is. The God that I serve is the only God, the God of your fathers, the God that led you out of Egypt, had crossed you over the Red Sea and brought you out of the wilderness and provided manna, that God is still God today. And he's fixing to show himself mighty and strong. Before he showed himself mighty and before he showed himself strong, the Bible says that Elijah, verse 21 Then Elijah approached all the people and he said, how long? Now this is what I want to preach on. So listen. How long will you waver between two opinions? You hobble on two crutches. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people, notice now, didn't answer a word. Elijah said, listen, it's time to make a choice. If you're going to follow God, follow God. God is God, but if Baal is God, then you got to follow him. Make a choice. And they did not answer him a word. This blows my mind that the Israelites would have this issue or this problem, knowing and seeing all that God had done for them. But then again, you know what? That's just like the church. We know God's brought us out. We've seen God move. We've seen God do great things. We've seen God save and deliver and heal. You've seen God move in your life, but then for some reason you bring back these idols into your life. And God is saying today, Elijah said it 3,000 years ago, but God's saying it today, here at Remnant Church, how long are you going to waver between two opinions now? How long are you, halt ye. That's what the King James Version says. How long will you halt ye between two opinions? That word is translated from a word uh, in the Hebrew that means limp. How long are you going to limp between serving God and living for the world and it is a limp because let me tell you something when you try when you come into this church Sunday after Sunday and you hear the word word, but you're so full of pride that you will not allow the word to change you it's like getting beat up (laughs) ever been there? you're too prideful so you don't want to change so it's like you get beat by the word. And then you go back into the world. Try to find some help. Some relief. And you get beat up by the world. Because the world doesn't offer any help. Or relief. So now you're lifting between the two. Am I making any sense? You're limping between the church and the world. It's another uh, example. It's kind of like. One foot in the church and one foot in the world. It's like dancing with the church. And then after you get through dancing with the church you tap the world on the shoulder and say "Uh, can I cut in? Can I have this dance? So you dance with the world and you dance with the church. And God's saying how long are you going to do this? See now I don't know how you do it. I don't know how people come in and out of this church, hear the word, and they can stand being beat up and limp, back and forth, always getting beat up by the word, and then going into the world and getting beat up. I don't know how you do it. I'm glad you come, but I don't know how you do it. I want to be welcome to everyone, and we are. Oh, pastor, come on now. This is a welcoming church. You are so right. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how long you've been there. It doesn't matter. You're going to get a warm welcome, but don't let the warm welcome fool you to think you're going to get cold, dry preaching. Because it's not going to happen. I want you to come here. I want you to be a part of this church. I want you to be here. It doesn't matter what you've done. What sin is your sin that so easily besets you. That doesn't matter to me. But I know when you come here, I'm expecting God to get a hold of your life to change you. You didn't come in this building to stay a sinner. You come into this building to have the blood applied to your life. To bring you from darkness to light, from death to life, from hopeless to hope. What would keep somebody limping, back into pride? I don't have any problems. Oh, God, help us. (laughs) Help us, God. See, it has become so easy. See, you know if I'm talking to you today because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And it has become so easy for some of us to slide right out of the bar, right into church, slide right out of hanging with the guys, talking, a talk that we shouldn't talk, Is this okay? Wait a minute. I don't care if it's okay to you. I really don't care. Quit asking that. Because it's okay to God. You slide right out of that dirty talk, that filthy language. You're hanging out with the guys, drinking some drinks, smoking some smoke. And you can slip right out of there. And you can slip right into here. And it doesn't bother you. That that bothers me, my friend. It bothers me. You slip right into what? You're like a chameleon. If you get around some people, you act like them. You get around the church, you know how to put on the church. You know how to change your vocabulary. You know how to talk. You know how to smile. You know how to look the part. You get on over here around some people, uh, then you'll act like them. You'll act like the world. And it should Bother you. It should scare you to death that you're sliding in and sliding out, and there's no issue with it, no problem, no difficulty. It should bother you today. It should scare you today. You say, Well, Pastor, this doesn't make me happy. Boy, I sure don't feel, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here, you to, I'm here for you to long for holiness. I'm here for you to want to be more like Jesus, less like this world. God did not save you for you to go back and see how close you can live to the world and go to heaven. He did not? And I'm not here to grow. A, I'm not here to grow a crowd, to garner a crowd. I'm here to build a church. If Jesus comes back a hundred years from now, fifty years from now, well, praise the Lord. But in but in forty years, thirty-five years, majority of you guys are already going to be stood in front of Him. Does that not? sober you up just a minute cause you to think about eternity This is not all there is. This is not the only life there is. There is a life that will be forever and there is no outs, and there is no such thing as purgatory and there is no in between. It's either heaven or hell. You can't pay enough money. There's a false gospel out there that the Catholic Church pumps out that says you can can go to purgatory. That damnation is not forever just for a little while. And you can pay... Church. Well, it isn't that convenient? You pay the church enough money, you can get him out. You can get Auntie out. You can get Boo out. You can get him out. Not so. Once you step into eternity, and we're taking a step every moment, every step, every heartbeat's another heartbeat towards eternity. Every breath is another breath towards eternity. Every step is another step towards eternity. And when I stand before God, I don't want to say, well, look how close I live to the world. I want to live a life that's holy and pleasing to him. How long are you going to? How long? How long are you going to waver between two opinions? See, what was going on in these Israelites, they were serving God. When they got home, they had some of these idols that they'd go pray to. God is Jehovah. We believe God. We love God. Then they'd get home and they'd bring out their idol. Just in case, I will pray to this one too. What's in your house? So you're here at church today, worshiping God. What do you go do when you go to ha- when you go home? What are you worshiping? What's in your house? What idols are set up in your life? What areas of your home and your life needs cleaning out? Am I talking to anybody right now? What areas of your life? What closet needs cleaning out? What part of your home needs cleaning out? Is it your computer? Does it need cleaning out? Do you need to clean out some of the contacts in your phone? Clean out some of the websites? Clean out a cabinet in the kitchen? Where, well, what is it? What is an idol? An idol is anything you put before God, anything you're willing and okay to do when you know it's not pleasing to God, it is an idol. Anything, anything that you know is not pleasing to God that you do. Right now, think about it. Anything you know that's not pleasing to God that you're still doing and you're okay with it, it's an idol. Do not hide it, stick it away, destroy it, get it out. Don't have a yard sale, don't sell it to anybody. Don't 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 put it on Facebook and try to put it on the marketplace. Destroy it. If it's an al- if it's alcohol, pour it down the sink. If it's an affair, you say I would pastor. Don't. Oh, I brought a guest today. I am so sorry. What was I thinking? Some of you right now are on the verge of having an affair. Man, woman, you're already emotionally there. You better stop it. You better cut it out. You better quit it. You better, you say, I don't say that. I'm going to say what God tells me to say. You see, and I'm trying to... Listen, I'd rather hurt your feelings than have you like me all the way to hell. I, I, want you to, I want you to dislike me now and love me when you step into eternity because I told you the truth. It doesn't do any good, this cerebral Christianity, this cultural Christianity. Cut it out. It won't work. It won't cut it when you stand before Christ. Christ. How long will you limp? How long will you waver between the two? God is saying it's time to make a choice. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, come out from among them. Come out. Come out from among them. Do you understand? Do you understand the words? What, what, what is what, what's what the Bible's saying here? Come out, what Paul was saying. <coughs> come out from among them. You can't be like them. You can't talk like them. Well, people will think I'm weird. Grow up. It's time if we're going to say we're the church, it's time for us to be the church. It's time for us to live holy. It's time for us to live righteously. How long will you waver? How long will you uh, live for Jesus but then I got my me time. Me time. Somebody was telling me about me time this weekend. I got to have my me time. I I get what you're saying. Okay. But what are you really saying? Some of y'all take your me time to do things that feel good, but it's not pleasing to God. I'm going to hang out with the girls tonight. God is calling us not to waver between the two. So, man, this is hard preaching. I didn't come to church. I did not. When I came to remnant pastor, you did not preach like that. Well, you just ain't been here long enough. (laughs) How long will you waver? James chapter 4, verse 8. James would call these people who waver an adulterous people. James chapter 4 verse 4. Look what it says. You adulterous people. Cheating on God. That's, That's the thought. Have you ever, if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about, experienced the unfaithfulness of a spouse? That would be terrible. Uh, And it would sound something like this. I haven't been faithful to you. And then your heart would break if you were the one, if you're on the other side. Because your heart would be saying, but I've been faithful to you. And that's exactly what God is saying. We've got to come to a place where we say, God, I haven't been faithful to you. But then God says, but I have been faithful to you. See, the Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. I want to ask you something. Have you been cheating? You adulterous people, adulteresses, don't you know that friendship... I don't know if I've been cheating, Pastor. I don't know. Look what it says. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? That's pretty strong, isn't it? If you're okay with watching filth in your house, men sleeping with men, women sleeping with women, Women sleeping with men and showing everything, and you think it's okay. You think that's okay? You think that's all right? You think that's okay to let that filth go in your house and you call yourself a born again Christian? And you like it because it entertains you. You're a friend of the world. Even the desire, look, so whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think without reason, the Scripture says, the Spirit, verse 5, or do you think without reason that the Scripture says, the Spirit, He made to dwell in us, envies intensely. Intensely. See, God is saying any leanings toward the pleasures of sin is idolatry. I don't care how many people's doing it. If God says it's sin and we partake of it, if we enjoy watching it, if we enjoy seeing it, if we enjoy drinking it, if we enjoy smoking it, if we enjoy being around its company, if we even desire it, the Bible says we have become an enemy towards God. Why such strong words? What if you gave your son? what if you gave your son Jesus to die for me and I was unfaithful I could never give my son my life for your life Mm -hmm. it depends on who I mean probably in the heat of the moment maybe go down a hero I don't know but if I had time to think about it, I probably wouldn't show up that day. <laughs> Scarcely would a man die, what the Bible says. Wouldn't be too many man die for another man. It just wouldn't. Now, me giving my son for you, I, I couldn't do it. I'd rather give my life for you than my son. God gave his son to die for us and instead of us. I think he has the right to say, if you're unfaithful to me, you're an enemy. You're an enemy to me. If you're going to be unfaithful to me, you are are committing spiritual adultery. You are spiritually whoring around. and that sounds bad. Bleak. Sad. But there's more. Verse 6. If You find yourself in this situation. You find yourself an adulteress An adulterer. God's going to give you a way out. But he gives greater grace. I thought y'all would say amen, hallelujah, praise God. Pastor, you ain't said nothing but bad stuff all morning long. And now you've left it. I mean, I thought we were fixing to leave out of here. Sad. But he gives grace. Grace. But you've got to see yourself as an adulterer. As an adulteress. You've got to see yourself as unfaithful if you're full of pride. You're going to walk out of here and God's word is only going to hit you but it won't cut you. God is calling you to hear those with an ear. Let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying today. God's been faithful to you, but you haven't been faithful to him, but God gives greater grace. He gives another chance. But 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 look, but he resists the proud. Yeah, I can tell you right now, that pastor gets up there, Pastor Caleb, he gets up there and preaches. He's doing all that. He's saying all that stuff. But I know he ain't got everything together in his life. He's coming up here, and he's preaching, and he's hollering, and he's, you're full of pride. You're so full of pride that your focus is on me instead of you. I can't help how God set this up. He took an imperfect person like me and placed a calling on my life. Let me, let me get things straight with you right now. I don't have everything right. I do struggle from time to time. But I will struggle on my knees. I will struggle understanding that I need God. Oh. How do you think I could preach this today? Because I have found myself to be an adulterer and adulteress. I have been an adulterer. Compromised. Laid in the bed with compromise and complacency and lukewarmness. I have. But it's time to kick the covers off. Get out of the bed. Pull back the sheets. Come out of hiding. Fall on your knees. Cry to God and say God I need you that's what we've got to do and he gives us a way to do that but he gives greater grace therefore he says God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble you gotta humble yourself you gotta humble yourself in the sight of God Grace gives you the opportunity. Verse seven: After you humble yourselves to God, self to God, you identify that this is going on in my life. God gives you grace to submit back under His authority. What does submit mean? It means come back in order, get things back right. God first, me last. What God wants, not what I want. Less of me, more of him. That is submission. And you will not go to heaven being the Lord of your own life. You will not be the heaven. You will not go to heaven calling the shots. you got to submit to God. Then grace gives you the opportunity and ability to once again resist the devil. Some of you aren't fighting the devil because the devil's... You've surrendered to him. He has your, his way in your life. But grace is greater. You identify and admit this is what's going on in my life and you make a choice. You quit wavering between two opinions. Quit dancing with the church and with the world. Then you resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then look what it says. Draw near to God. Draw near to Him. Grace gives you the opportunity. Once again, sin had separated you from God, but grace gives you the opportunity to snuggle right back up to Him like nothing's ever happened. What else is like that? Who else is like that? my wife we lay in a king size bed at night and y'all pray for her how she hasn't died already of hypothermia she's all the time freezing to death always cold She'll go on to bed before me, and two hours later, she'll come out of the bedroom into the living room. "Uh, Could you come to bed? (laughs) I can't sleep without you being in here. I'm about to freeze to death. I said, Holly, I said, you've been asleep for three hours. (laughs) I'm so cold. Come in here. So, well, I will. I don't want her to die. I don't want her to frostbite to set in. So I go and I get in the bed, and I am not cold. I'm not cold. I'm always borderline, if not hot, hot. Amen. And I go in there, and she'll roll on over there, over there in my territory and I'll say, you're going to have to give me some. Lord, have mercy. You're going to have to give me some room. Yeah, I'm sweating to death. You're sweating me to death. She'll scoot over, huff and puff. And I'll be almost asleep. And she'll know or she'll think she says you you stop, you when you your breathing changes when you're asleep. As soon as I go into my sleep apnea, I guess is probably what it is. <laughs> not probably, it is not going to be. I'm changing my weights. As soon as my breathing pattern changes, she'll take her foot. I don't know where this foot's been. <laughs> I'm assuming she hung it out in the freezer before she lay, I don't don't know where, but she takes her foot and her five toes and she slides it over there, touches my leg with it, and all of a sudden, I'm not asleep no more. Get your, God, get your foot off of me. Your foot's cold as ice. It's really sad because we got this big old bed. In fact, yesterday, last night, she said, I'm coming over here whether you like it or not. (laughs) That's what she said last night. Just suck it up. I'm coming over there. And she did All this room on the other side of the bed, I'm telling you. But when God draws near to us, he's not going to back away. Even though sin separated us from him, pride separates us from him, drives a wedge between us and him. It doesn't separate him from us, it just separates us from him. Condemnation and guilt, they take their place, they run their course, and then we stop praying, we start seeking in the face of God, we stop going to church. And there's a wedge. But grace is greater than the wedge, the distance, the sin, the adultery. The compromise, the complacency, God's grace is greater. And when we repent and we submit and we resist the devil and we draw back close to God, God is not saying, ah, oh, don't get close to me. You hurt me last time. You backslid. You, 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 you cheated on me. No, God says, come to me. And the way every time you take a step, He takes a step. Draw close to God. God, God will draw near to you. And then he says, cleanse your hands. And this is just like James in his writings because he says, faith without works is dead. So he says, I'm giving you this grace. God is giving you this grace not to be an, a sinner, not to have another, just have a, have a card that gets you into heaven no matter how you live. No, grace gives you the opportunity again to cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, and get your mind back on Christ. Quit being double-minded. Quit wavering between the two. You sell out. You become radical for Jesus. You decide, I'm going to live holy. I'm tired of playing games. How long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you play games? It's time to get serious about God. Stand with me all across the building. That next verse in verse 9 says be miserable. Mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Next verse. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. That is a, That is repentance. Mourn, lament over your living. Does it bother you that you've been unfaithful to God? That you've got an affair going on? A spiritual affair? Does it bother you? Please hear me. There will be no revival without repentance. I'm trying to get us to repent today. Does it bother you that you've been having a spiritual affair? That you've been committing spiritual adultery? It bothers me. You know why I couldn't get out of here this morning at nine? You want to know why? Because we, we were a penny. There were tears flowing. We were crying out. We were submitting back to God. We were admitting we're not okay. Okay. Let me ask you. Would you be okay right now with where you're at? and with how your life is and within with your spiritual condition would you be okay calm cool awesome and wonderful if you stood before god right now would you feel good about yourself now i understand that you're saved by grace through faith but i also understand what james said when he said you show me a faith without works and i'll tell you it's dead the grace of God wants me to, pushes me to want to be like Jesus. Yes. In fact, that was that was my prayer today. I want to be like Jesus. He's been too good for me to live halfway for him. I, I If limping between the two has become easy, you're in danger. You are in danger. Wavering between the two has become easy. You're in danger. You are lukewarm. And you know what the Bible says in Revelation about lukewarm? He said, I'd rather you be hot. This is the revelation of Jesus, actually. The last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus. And you know what the revelation of Jesus is? Part of that revelation is this. I'd rather you be hot or cold. Lukewarm. Makes me vomit, makes me sick. I hate it. I did not give my son for you to be a cultural Christian, for you to go through the motions. I gave you my son to sell out and to live for me, to be peculiar, to be different, to be holy. To be righteous, to deny sin, to pick up your cross, to say no to the world, no to the flesh, and yes to Jesus, no to the pleasures of sin, and yes to righteousness and holiness. That's what God gave his son for. So, is there anybody that needs to do any repenting today? Musicians come, singers, you might as well come too. We'll be done here shortly back when i was uh, in my late teens 18 19 my early 20s i used to pray all the time for revival i would pray and i i i when you're young you, you, you everybody has lofty ideas dreams well my dream was I wanted to be part I want to be smack actually my words were smack because I prayed it all the time smack dab in the middle of the greatest revival that the world has ever seen I know that's lofty that's man as the years have gone by That dream faded, but here lately, here lately I have, uh, I've begun to dream again. I just don't see why God wouldn't choose somewhere like this, why he couldn't use some place like this. I know we're in Waycross. I know that's not a big city. Here. I know I'm a nobody. I understand that. But I also know God responds to hunger. Thirst. In fact, the Bible says, if any man thirst after righteousness, he shall be filled. And the only way you can thirst after righteousness is to... Push the plate away of worldliness. Or you'll be full. You'll have no room for anything. So, revival has been on my mind. And I am not talking about some guy coming here and preaching. That preaches better than me. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about series of sermons. And messages I'm talking about an encounter with God that has no time frame that comes in and erupts interrupts a service like this and there is no way that you can deny that it was wasn't that it, you can deny it was God no way and I'm telling you right now this community needs remnant church to be revived mama daddy your kids need to revive you they don't need a cold dead religious you you can't lead your family off of a service from five years ago from a blessing five years ago You need a fresh encounter with God. I can't lead this church into the next seasons without a fresh, refreshing, and a revival in my spirit. There's drug addicts overdosing and dying. They need a revived church. There are lost people committing suicide. Every week, they need a revived church. Your child is slitting their wrists, cutting themselves, hiding in a bedroom somewhere, walled off from you. They need a revived mama and a revived daddy. They need a revived youth pastor, a revived youth group. They need a revived elder board. They need a revived church. They need a revived worship team who gets into, hey, who starts worshiping. They forget about the click track. They forget about what they're doing. They forget about their parts. And they begin to worship God. They lay their instruments down and they fall on their knees. Hey, I'll never get upset about that. By the way. They need to, a church that's so revived that when they come on this campus, Ma- Michael, that I'm not even talking about coming into the building. I'm talking about they get on the campus. Tears start rolling down their face. Oh, you won't get it in bed with complacency. You will not get it in bed with That sounds sweet. Oh, I like that. That would be a good idea. You will not see it. You will not feel it. You will not touch it. You will not experience it. You will not taste it. Until you repent. Repent of your worldliness. Repent of your carnality. I don't care what time it is right now. This is a word from God Almighty. This is God's word for you today. Now you can take it. You can leave it. You can walk right out. You can get mad. You can get glad. I don't know what you're going to do. But this is what God is saying. He's calling the church to repentance. He's calling me. He's calling you to repentance. To cry out and say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. So interrupt me, God. Spirit, interrupt me. Your will, not mine. Your wants, not mine. Your spirit, not mine. Less of me and more of you, God. I want to be like you, God. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want you more than anything else in my life. God, I want to submit to your will and to your way, God. This isn't my church. This isn't my, my ministry. This is your church. This is your ministry. These are your people. Oh, God, I repent. I repent. I repent of compromise. I repent of complacency. I repent of lukewarm. Anybody want to join me tonight, this morning? Anybody want to join me in repentance? Anybody want to let go of pride right now? Well, what will people think about me? God, think about me. That's what's important. It's what's driving me. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like you, God. Anything that's not of you, I want it out of my life. I submit myself to you. I open these altars up today. I don't care if you have to stack up ten rows deep. I'm opening these altars and I'm already here. I'm standing here. I'm, I'm kneeling now. My heart's kneeled. My soul's kneeled. My spirit's kneeled. I'm broken before God. I need God to touch me. I need God to touch me. I need God to touch me. Come. Come, repent. Repent of your sin. Repent of complacency, conformity. Don't let pride stand in the way. Your pastor's here right now. I'm standing here. I've laid myself out before you. If you're a leader in this church, I I don't know why you're not at this altar right now. of my worldliness God I'm not talking about getting saved you're saved I'm talking about getting unconfessed sin out of your heart and your life are you giving God 100 are you giving God everything if you're not there's a place of repentance here today